0: Hey, Work Positive Nation, when unexpected adversity happens to you at work, how do you respond? On January 15, 2009, flying for work on U.S. Airways Flight 1549, my guest today suddenly found himself in a life-or-death struggle as the plane ditched into the Hudson River. For the next 24 minutes, he summoned everything he had learned from his mentors to turn the turmoil into triumph. Listen to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast so you can create your own flight path towards the happiness and fulfillment you deserve at work. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast, my friend and soon to be yours, Dave Sanderson. Dave, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast, my friend.
1: Dr. Joey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you, my friend.
0: Oh, it is such a delight to be with you again. Every time, Work Positive Nation, every time, I'm with Dave Sanderson. I learned something and I walk away inspired. So that's what you're going to get out of this podcast today. Dave, your life changed in a matter of moments.
1: It did. Yes, it did. On January 15, 2009, going about my business day. Got out of work early because I was traveling. I wanted to get home, but I was put on flight 1549 from U.S. Airways, better known as the miracle on the Hudson. And that, that one decision, that one moment changed the entire direction of my life.
0: Mm. So you guys took off, but you didn't stay up very long.
1: Oh, I mean, we were up about 60 seconds before the explosion, and it uh, woke me up because I wasn't paying attention like most people. Everything's normal until something's not normal. And then you see the, the fire coming out from the left wing, so okay, he lost an engine. But one of the things I think is really doesn't get told a lot is Both engines went out at the exact same moment.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Which, which, so what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that is this: I think if people would have heard a boom and then a boom, and you're in New York City, uh, you probably have a different perspective. than if you just you hear boom, yes, people who fly a lot like me, and it's probably some of the people who are on this on the on the show here, planes have two engines at least, so Mm -hmm. you know you don't get too too concerned. So I think that was one of the biggest uh, things that doesn't get talked about up in that day.
0: Wow. So then you uh, slowly uh, took it into the water um, at the Hudson River. What happened then that you remember, Dave, first?
1: Yeah, it was a hard hit. Uh-huh. He hit approximately between 100 and 120 miles an hour.
0: Wow.
1: And it, But as we know now, he hit it perfectly. And that's, I mean, that, that's a miracle right there, just hitting mm. the plane perfectly in the river. But then, now part two comes into play because now you're in a plane sinking in 36 degree water Mm. after a plane crash Mm. and now you've got people who need to get out evacuate and it's not chaos i used to term controlled chaos where things were moving quickly but no one was losing their heads no one was like pushing people out of the way it was very respectful but things were moving very quickly at that point because the plane was going down the back of the plane was pretty much immediately underwater
0: Mm. And so that's when you went into action because the next 24 minutes were pivotal.
1: Yeah. The plane went down in 24 minutes. I, uh, you know, and my game plan, because one of the things as, as a business person and an athlete, I always had a game plan. I was like, my game plan was aisle up out.
2: Mm-hmm. So right
1: before we were crashing in and it was the last like aisle up out, aisle up out, aisle up out. I kept saying that. So I had it ingrained in my head. Cause what I do is if I say something three times to myself, I remember it. Yeah. So, when I got to the aisle I was like game on let's go aisle an hour out that didn't happen for me because when I got to the door at 10f I'm like I heard my mom start speaking to me my mom passed away in 1997. Wow but there was something she would tell me when I was young and just also I heard in the back of my head it was if you do the right thing God will take care of you mm. And I tell people you know my mom my mom never lied to me. <laughs> they never lied to me, right?
2: Mm-hmm. But I
1: also tell people, well, after I start thinking about that moment, Joey, my mom didn't say do it. My mom made me make a decision, made me make a choice. Mm. And I, I tell people, I think one of the biggest things that I probably need to do better raising my kids, and I know if I talk to people now raising kids, is you got to make help these kids make choices early in life, mm. and have consequences. So she made me, I could have gone out the door and everything would have been fine and great. But the choice I made was you help others first. So that's why I climbed over the seats towards the back of the plane. And the back of the plane was pretty submerged. It was about just deep in the 36-degree water. Mm. But things were moving pretty well, right? People start moving. So I just got behind the last person, started making my way out. And, and, you know, being in the back of the plane, water, you know, already in the back of the plane, the luggage was floating in the water. Sure. And it was dark. So the first light that I saw was a 10F again. I'm like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I started to get out, and I look out, there's no room on that wing and no room on the boat, lifeboat. So that's why I was inside the plane it's about seven minutes waist-deep in 36-degree water holding on to the lifeboat so it didn't float out to the river.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's, uh, that episode changed my life. That changed my life uh, because one of the things you learn, especially for business, is you know, sometimes you have to check your ego at the door.
0: <laughs> sometimes
1: sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do I mean because I you know one of the other distinctions that doesn't get talked about is all of the crew went out to the left side of the plane okay so the right side of the plane where I went out having managed my passengers are had zero zero training mm. zero experience and that tells you about leadership mm. both leaders focus on people mm. don't focus on the situation I knew nothing about how to exit a plane and, and all of this. Right. And I didn't know how to motivate people to take action. Mm. That's what myself and a few other people did that day on the right side of the plane because no one, someone had to step up and lead. And I think there were many, many leaders from that day
0: in the midst of the controlled chaos. Right. So Dave, you've written three books. The latest one is from turmoil to triumph. And so this unexpected adversity of the plane going down the Hudson river and your choice, right? You made a choice right there, led to the transformation of that turmoil into the triumph. We're at work every day and in work positive nation, and we're doing our best to create a positive work culture, unexpected adversity, Shows its head day after day after day. Sometimes it seems like hour after hour after hour, right? How do we, what are some of the key ingredients to taking the turmoil of this unexpected adversity in our work culture and turning it into triumph?
1: Well, that's a good question because you're right. Right now, I mean, when you and I grew up, you know, things would change maybe on a quarterly basis, maybe annual basis, but now things are changing every five minutes.
2: Seems like. I
1: mean, whether it's business or personnel and I think one of the things I work on with my team, and I coach and mentor other people to do, is what happened on the plane that day. First mm-hmm. thing you gotta do is you gotta keep your head. And I think a lot of people go to get very emotional very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, because they may take it as a personal situation. Mm-hmm. It's just business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Business changes quickly. So the first step that I always help you. First thing is keep your head. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let, don't get emotional. You know, and, and ask the question: What does this really mean?
2: Mm-hmm. this
1: is really me right mm-hmm. because if you see something you might have a perspective on it but does it really mean that or, oh. is it, or you know so I, I the three ways you do that and you know i talk about this because one of the ways you handle stress or in a business environment is how to manage your state how to manage your state of mind mm-hmm. first way to your physiology the way you move your body the second way is to do what you focus on. And the third way is the, the internal dialogue or the questions you ask yourself. Mm. And that's what happened on the day that plane, and that's what happens in business. So if you can manage your state by not losing your head, manage your state by one of those three ways, now you can respond more effectively. Handle the situation uh, instead of being going you know, media response, which may or may not be the right way to approach it.
0: Right, so you're handling the situation instead of the situation handling you. Right. Yeah, I like to refer to that as observe without participating because that really keeps my feelings from getting all up in it, right? And that's fight or flight, because that's the K-person brain in the back of your head, right? That limbic system, it's immediately kicking into gear. We got to get out of here because this is different. You know, the the ego's number one job is to protect you, (laughs) right? right? So let's talk about how we can lead our team, regardless of whether we're in an official titled position of manager of a team. Leadership occurs on all levels. Nobody stepped up and said, Hey, Dave Sanderson, come up here and be the leader of these uh, this controlled chaos, people getting off the plane, right? You stepped up into a leadership position, so I think anybody on a team can lead. Let's talk about how those three things can impact team turnover. Because today, you know, we've experienced in the last year the, the, <laughs> the great resignation. Now we're talking about it as quiet quitting. I'm laughing because these euphemisms just are hilarious to me I mean these are people's lives we're talking about and we're calling something the great resignation what is that all about but anyway how can we make applications these three things to help reduce team turnover and help engage our teams better regardless of our position Dave
1: yeah I thank you I think one of the things I learned by being a head of security for Tony Robbins is I wasn't I was ahead of a group of leaders already they're all either executives or CEOs of their own companies
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I was having to lead leaders And that was a different perspective for me. I mean, Mm. you know, I had to really figure out the strategy on how I could lead people who are used to leading people. And the first thing I really do is look at the culture. I think that's one of the biggest challenges right now, especially with the remote or hybrid works environments. And that's one thing that really, I think, was lost out on during the pandemic is is connectivity, right? So Mm. one of the things I, I mentor and talk to people about is making sure i have the team culture in place that people understood the team culture by and do you buy into this culture and that comes back to you know the hiring phase right do you align with the values and our mission and i think you know i want things to talk about mission focused leadership right mm. you have to understand the mission number one if mm. you don't understand the mission buy into the mission it may not be in the right place for you mm. that's mm. number one but no but number two i would also say is that you have to be able to take the appropriate action at the appropriate time so if you're a group worth a group of people and you're having some challenges or maybe like i give you an example mike stevsky from duke Yeah, I, I heard him answer this question in a different way because he said his philosophy was when we're on the uh, I'm on the bench and during a game worry about individuals i gotta worry about the team I'm in a locker room i worry about individuals mm. so and that taught me a great lesson. Likewise, when I'm in the field and I'm engaged with my team, it's not about you. It's about the, the mission on the team. Mm. But then we step back, and now we're gonna have a one-on-one conversation about the values you have and how are you, are you appropriately managing your state? And more importantly than not, this is one of the things I really talk about in my TED Talk is about the meaning you attach to something produces the emotion of your life, and emotion is your life. People mm. say, so what does that mean? I'll give you an example. About four weeks after the plane crash, I was back in New York with a group of passengers and the crew, and we were going Good Morning America.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We got done, and Joey were sitting in the green room. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, donuts or whatever. I right? were talking, and one <laughs> of the passengers just started yelling at people. What? Started yelling, getting very emotional. And I, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, what's wrong with this guy?
0: Yeah, really. He
1: survived the plane crash on national tv i mean how bad is it right now really mm. so i made a judgment very quickly until i found out a couple weeks later that he was going through a divorce and he lost his job out of the plane crash
0: oh goodness so
1: what his meaning for the plane crash was devastation mm. my meaning was it was a blessing for me because it opened up a whole new area of my life mm-hmm. so the BDC you attach to something produces whatever emotion so mm. i've tried to find out if i'm in this situation did you just ask about?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What's what meaning are you going for in this? What do you what do you see in this? Mm. But maybe you and I have a different meaning, and that's why maybe things get emotional or not emotional.
0: Hmm. Oh, I absolutely love that distinction Coach Shashovsky made about during the game, it's about the team, but then when we're not in the game, it's about the individuals because each person on your team needs that individual attention because obviously we come with different stories and attach different emotions to our experiences. But man, when it's when it's all hands on deck, the, the team's playing and so we're looking for that. What an well, incredible that that lady
1: That happened that day on the plane crash because
2: uh-huh. you
1: know, there was a lady that was standing in the middle of the wing and she wasn't moving.
2: She uh-huh. was stifled, Throws she up. wasn't moving. And yeah.
1: Joey, when you're in a situation like this, you gotta move quickly. I mean, there's nice. things happening very quickly, right? I mean, there's people's lives that are in danger at this exact second. Mm-hmm. So the training that I've had is when you find somebody in that situation, you got to do something radical to sort of get it into their head very quickly. So I yelled at her, mm. just yelled at her, mm-hmm. and I got her attention. And somebody grabbed her arm and pulled her on a lifeboat. And you see people like walking on water on this. On this. But so I tell people, people say, well, Why would you yell at her? Because I had to get her attention. Because right now, I don't care about your emotions. Yes, right? This mm. is about the team, this is about right. the mission. And it was an unspoken mission that day
2: mm. nobody
1: dies today. Mm. That was the mission that no one said verbally. Was the mission. Mm-hmm. So yes, that played out for me in that situation where, you know, I I, I could really care about her emotions right now. Why I have hurt her feelings? Mm-hmm. gotta go.
0: Yeah, right? we gotta move. And so you talking
1: about the military—the same thing. They gotta go.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, we ain't got time to play. But you, so, you nonetheless addressed her as an individual in a way that was most effective in order to further the mission of the team.
1: That's right, that's right. Mm -hmm. I got her to, and it's all from training that I had and being able to change people's state of minds. And you know, and I couldn't do a physiology, I couldn't grab her and move her, and Mm -hmm. I couldn't get change her focus, but what I could do do through my verbal skills, Get our attention,
0: right? Get our attention. Exactly right. So, Dave, let's say that I'm uh, in charge of hiring people onto our team or inviting people to join our team, attracting top talents the way we like to talk about it in Work Positive Nation. How can I take this notion of uh, there are times when the team is most important? And there are times when the individual is most important. How can I take that into that talent attraction process to explain that in such a way that persons come on with the expectation that there are times when they get individual attention, but that there are other times when they get no individual attention because the team has attention.
1: Hey, Joey, I think when I've hired people and hire people right now, the first thing that I really talk about is the team culture. So I want people to understand what the culture of the team is, and I want to understand their value sets. So one of the things that I do, and I don't know if anybody else, I'm sure other people do it, is I give people a what's called a Colby assessment. Okay. And what a Colby assessment is, it helps people understand how this person thinks, what's the driving force mm. behind them to see how they fit with the culture, because I don't want to bring anybody on that doesn't understand the mission and is not buy into the culture. Mm. And so I think those are the first two things that I do. And if they do now, I will get them involved with the team so they can actually be involved with that culture to see if it does jive with them and to make sure they buy in and we buy in because it's got to be a team team effect.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I love this idea of presenting. Uh, of course, Colby's a great way of, of doing an assessment to discover who they are and make sure that there's that great fit. But I love explaining this notion, just walking them through this notion of sometimes your needs come first, but then other times the team's needs come first. And you find out if somebody's able to subjugate their ego, right? To, to deflate it a little bit for the team. Patrick Lencioni's Ideal Team Player, the humble, hungry, smart uh, piece. I use yep. that all the time. That yep. really helps me understand how someone sees themselves if they are humble enough to be there for the team and if they're people smart enough, right, to, to interact right. with the team. Dave Sanderson is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Uh, Dave, what's the website we can go to while we're listening?
1: davesandersonspeaks.com. Thank you doc- very much, Dr. Joey.
0: Oh, yeah. Dave speaks dot com. If you're uh, somewhere where you can't get to it right now, uh, you're exercising or, or something like that. Uh, just go to the show notes for this show when you finish listening and when you get around uh, to your computer or your phone where you can actually go to Dave com. And it's right there. Now, in your book, From Turmoil to Triumph, you talk about challenges that we all have in life and trying to put together that. Flight plan, right? That that path that's going to bring us the kinds of things that we really want—the happiness, the joy, the meaning, and satisfaction. Like, what are some of the challenges that you see in the workplace today, in work environment today, Dave? That keeps people from actually living the life they want?
1: Thank you for the question. Because one of the things that I see consistently, and what I find to be probably one of the most, if not the most important thing, right now. Mm-hmm. whether it's your job or whatever you're doing in your personal life is the ability to be resourceful. I think mm. people are looking for resourceful people because sometimes organizations have, they think, limited resources. Mm. So I, I, I got to get this done, but I don't have the funds. I don't have the people to do it. Right. So what I tell talk about to folks is the most valuable asset you can bring is being resourceful. Mm. Be able to be able to take whatever resources you have and do whatever you can to get the outcome, right? Number one. But number two, What I found, and this has helped me, and I I, uh, I was told to read a book years ago called The Fourth Turning, and I did. And it opened my eyes because the key skill now, if you can bring this to a team, if you can bring resourcefulness and the ability to anticipate, now now you're an asset. Now I can see what's going on ahead. Now I can get the resources that I need, however I need to do it, be able to accomplish the goal, accomplish the task. So Mm -hmm. anticipation and resourcefulness.
0: Mm, man. Yeah. And so often I just want things handed to me, Dave, what are, what are some of the ways that I can begin today to address that challenge that need to be resourceful?
1: Yeah. My wife's like that too. I mean, I love my wife, but she just wants things to work. <laughs> she just wants things to work, right? All uh-huh. of a sudden her iPhone is not charged. It's not working right. It's, it's somebody else's problem.
2: Uh-huh. So
1: when I talk, one of the things I learned, this has helped me greatly. This is one of the things that I had to learn myself. Cause mm. if you keep blaming events, Yes. You never give yourself the opportunity to grow. You can't blame events
2: because
1: mm. that's what I see people doing all the time now. They blame COVID. They blame mm. social justice. They blame the police. Everybody blames things for everybody on the, in the company level. I can't do this because we don't have the funds. I don't, I don't have enough people. Right. Well, you know, there are people that actually grew during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't blame the events. Mm -hmm. Focused on the outcome, focused on the mission. And say, okay, you can focus on the mission. That's great. We all buy in, but how do you do it? Step number two is you got to find your who for your how. Mm. What does that mean? Well, you know what? I'm good at a lot of things, but I know I'm not good at a lot of things. (laughs) What really accentuated that for me is when I went back to swim with the Navy Seals in the Hudson River a couple years ago.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And I had swam for 40 years. And I made this commitment to raise money for these, these veterans who are on hard times mm. and go back to a place that almost took my life. Mm. But how am I going to do it? I haven't swam for 40 years. I had to put my who's for my I had to find people, A, who could help figure out in 100 days how we do it. I had to find a coach. I had to find a wingman. I had to find my who's that surrounded me, my team. and mm-hmm. was what elevated me up. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm doing something that no one would ever think I could do at my age. Sixty—I was sixty years old when I did that.
2: Wow.
1: So how did that? It's number two is finding your who for your how. Number three, you got to take massive action. You have mm. to take back. Nothing's going to happen without you doing something. It's just not people. People are just not going to come to you, Joe, and say, "Hey, here, I'll hand it to you." You got to take action. Right. But number four, and this is where a lot of people sort of slip up. Mm-hmm. You got to have focused execution. Mm. that means you got this is how geniuses become geniuses right you got to be laser focused on the mission you got to mm. be laser focused on everything that you do number five is where it all comes together this is what happened to me with about 400 yards or 400 meters to go about swimming from Ellis Island to New York City at that third stage is I had so much gratitude mm. I, had so, I all of a sudden I realized that I didn't do this by myself yeah, I didn't get here by myself. Right. I that day on the plane, it wasn't just about me; it was about everything, everybody. Uh-huh. And once you started giving up, say, so you know what? And people said, what is gratitude? Gratitude is giving thanks, mm-hmm. something bigger than yourself. Yes. That's in business. I think I usually look at the people who are truly successful. Mm-hmm. They take their significance away and they put gratitude in. And one of the things I talk about is the more gratitude you have, the more grace you're given. Hmm. And that's what's happened to me in my life. So those are the five steps that I teach and tell people, and you know, when I bring a special on the team, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to get resourceful, right here.
0: That's beautiful. DaveSandersonspeaks.com is the website. You can go there and get a copy of his book, From Turmoil to Triumph. And Dave, there's something special if I go to DaveSandersonspeaks.com and get the book. I love you. To
1: go to Amazon. Thank you very much. But if you come to me directly, I will personalize a nice message for you, because this is what people did for me. You know, there were times when I got books and I, I sent it to people, and they would handwrite a note to me, and uh, I still have those. So yeah. if you come to my website, uh, I would appreciate. I love to be able to interact with you personally that way.
0: Oh yeah. I've given away thousands of copies of books that uh, I've bought through the years, but I've never given away a copy of a book that was personally signed and had a message in it to me from right. the author or, or from someone who gifted me with it. So that's davesandersonspeaks.com. You can go there if you want a personalized autographed copy from my man Dave Sanderson. Hey Dave, uh, Work Positive Nation always wants me to ask of our guests one thing what's the one thing work positive nation can do starting today to create the kind of positive work culture you're talking about
1: I, this is what i do and have people do one thing they do to be positive invest in yourself which means you need to read a book or you need to listen to something every day that puts positive things in your head and i i did this for my teams my teams i, I give every month you talk to my team i give them an audio book mm. give them an audio book and their their charge is all you want to do is while you're downtown, just listen to it. Positive things in your head, right? Because that's just, it all starts with your mindset. Yes. That day on the plane, it could have gone a whole different direction. There are many th- times when things are going sideways, mm. literally going sideways,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: All I want say is, Joy said, like I got to share in my blog this week. is about faith, having faith without hesitation. Right. Mm. Have gratitude. Mm. Gratitude will come, come to you one way or another.
0: You and I were talking before we started recording this podcast. Speaking of investing in yourself, about an author that both of us absolutely love and listen to and read all the time. You want to share that with Work Positive Nation?
1: Yeah, I mean we we were talking we were talking about something about one of my friends who had an interaction, but it started really with Napoleon Hill, mm. right? And well, people say, well, that guy was back in the twenties and thirties, right? I mean, old stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, sometimes. Sometimes it's good to be a little old-fashioned, right? Oh, it's timeless
0: truth, man. It's timeless
2: truth.
1: truth. I mean, Mm -hmm. my mentor gave me his handwritten notes where he took in 1929 when he sat down and learned his model of success. Wow. This is what this book's about. This book's about what he passed on to me, and I made a promise in 1997 that I would not let it die with me. Mm -hmm. And so it all started with that that generation. That's what's called the greatest generation. They understood what really it took, be happy and successful. So, uh, yeah, check out Napoleon Hill. Anything in Napoleon Hill, check it out because it'll put positive mental stuff in your head constantly during the day.
0: Yeah, and a great place to start if, you, if you're if you like, well, I've never heard of Napoleon Hill. A great place to start is just go on YouTube and listen to some of his content there. Okay, his voice is not quite as nice as Dave's, but it's <laughs> still a lot of great content there and uh, things that have certainly changed my life, transformed my life for the better, and obviously Dave's as well. Dave, thank you so much. Work Positive Nation, go right now to DaveSandersonSpeaks.com. Get yourself a personally autographed copy with your name in it of uh, From Turmoil to Trump. You'll be glad you did. Dave, thanks so much, man. Every time I'm with you and I've been with you numerous times, every time I'm with you, I'm better for the experience. So thanks for sharing your time and wisdom with work positive nation today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. God bless you. And thanks. I love having conversations because you always bring up my day. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the work positive podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders, so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.